me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 31 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. In this episode, I am joined by Metallicast listener, a proud member of the Metallicast Militia. His name is Connor, and he joins me to talk about the 2011 EP Beyond Magnetic. But before we jump into the episode, a few quick announcements. First and foremost, all Metallicast episodes should be back on all platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to Metallicast, including on Anchor. For a while, all episodes were only available on our home site, fansonexperts.com, but now they should be back up everywhere. So if you want to catch up on any past episodes, now is the perfect time to do so. Second of all, uh, I wrote an article for metaltalk.net called Inter Symphony from the Black Album to SNM2. Uh, I'm really excited about this article. It was a lot of fun to put together, and I want to thank metaltalk.net for the opportunity to write yet another article and you can find the link to that article in the episode description so please check it out if you've not done so already and last but certainly not least there is a new app that i recently discovered called swell s-w-e-l-l and the app is designed to allow podcasters to increase communication with their listeners Basically, I create a topic, might be Metallica Mondays or maybe something non-Metallica related, like I just posted a topic about what are you listening to? I want to hear about some cool albums and bands outside of Metallica that you're currently listening to. And we communicate with each other like you would on the forums or on Twitter, but they are audio messages. So you leave me a voice message, I can reply with a voice message. They are short, usually. Mm -hmm. Uh, They cannot be longer than five minutes. None of mine are usually more than a minute. Uh, So it is a really quick, easy, fun way to communicate with each other. And I'm hoping it can increase engagement with all of us in the Metallicast militia. So please download the app. Uh, There will be a link in the episode description if you are interested in joining us on Swell. Now, without further ado, here is episode 31. I want to thank Connor for coming on the show to talk about Beyond Magnetic. All right, Connor, welcome to Metallicast. Um, First time guest, it's always great to have new people on. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Of course, of course. All the way from Scotland. Yes, it's currently half past 12 in the night here. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you staying up to the wee morning hours um, yes. <laughs> to, uh, you know, match my schedule. I greatly appreciate that, uh, so thank you, sir. It was a pleasure for just talking, shooting a shit with Metallica. Awesome, you know? awesome, awesome. Where, What part of Scotland are you in? Uh, just outside Glasgow. Okay, my mother-in-law was born in Scotland. Um, okay. in Glasgow, I believe, or that area. So might not yeah. be too far from you, but I'm not familiar with Scotland uh-huh. beyond 
the city of Glasgow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe, maybe most people can associate with the, with Edinburgh and stuff, but yeah. Edinburgh is terrible in my opinion. Cause, personally, because I come from Glasgow, so yeah, it's, that's just that view. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always great to have somebody outside of the United States on the podcast and give uh, sometimes a different view on Metallica and their background with them. So speaking of that, that is a mm-hmm. great place to start. And a great question I always ask first time guests, what is your story with Metallica? How did you get into the band? When did you first hear them? Okay. Um, well, I first heard them when I was about seven years old. Uh, we were, it was me and my dad in the, in the car, and they just, I think it was a confirmation album of just a bunch of other bands. I think I had like Sabbath and ACDC and all that on it. Right. And he, and he, said, he turned to me and went, you'll love this song. And he pressed, he pressed, he pressed play, and it was Wolf and Man. I think I remember the dun 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 yeah. drum second, and I, I was in love from that moment on. And it was just before Death Magnetic came out. And Death Magnetic was my first ever album I ever bought. Okay. Personally, I think it's a great album. Yeah. But a good album to start off with. But I will never forget that time I heard of Wolf and Man. That intro, that just sudden. So it, just sounds like, it just sounds like thunder. Yeah. You know? So I was, I was completely hooked from, from that moment on. Cool. That's definitely uh that song is definitely an introduction to the signature Metallica crunch of dun 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 dun. Yeah, dun, dun. yeah it jumps right into it. Well, it's, it's a great song off the album. One of the best, actually. Yeah, I think that's an underrated song for sure off the Black album. How old were yeah, you right. when this was uh, when you first heard it? Uh, seven About. years old, I think. Oh, uh, you said that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think I was between seven or eight, and I think Death. Oh, I was must have been eight because Death Magnetic came out in 2008, and I was nine years old when that came out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so. it's funny because I was about the same age maybe i was a little bit younger when i first heard metallica but Mm -hmm. i was about nine years old when i got my first metallic album which was the black album uh, home of of wolf and man of course and Mm -hmm. it's funny because you know you are a perfect example of how (laughs) every generation there's a new group of metallica fans and it's funny to me to think that you know somebody's first album was hardwired to self-destruct and that might be their all-time favorite metallic album of course it's going to be funny to other people that like i have a real soft spot for the load reload Mm -hmm. era because i was in Mm -hmm. middle school when those albums were new so that was you know the black album and load were my first two metallic albums i had to go back and do my research and do my Mm -hmm. homework and discover all the old stuff on my own you know yeah see i agree with you the load and reload stuff is so underrated yeah it really is for the amount of crap it gets it's undeserved reload is a bit i think sometimes it has a lot of filler in it but load is one two just banger after banger after banger yeah yeah i i agree that both albums are killer. I think there are mm. so many underrated Metallica tracks on both those records from yeah. Bleeding Me to The Outlaw Torn to Fixer. Like mm-hmm. I I I would rank some of those songs among 
the best Metallica songs in the entire catalog. Oh, I would agree. That that whole intro with the Outlaw Torn with the the bass is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. oh, Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, that was. Um, you know, I remember getting Load. Uh, it was the first CD I ever owned. I had just gotten in a CD mm-hmm. player for Christmas, and I got that CD. And you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. I was gravitating more towards the radio hits, like Until It Sleeps and King Nothing. Kevin, stuff like that, yeah. And then, you know, I, as the more I listened to Load, the more I started getting into the deeper cuts. And I remember mm-hmm. when I really, really listened to the Outlaw Torn for the mm-hmm. first time, I gave it a really good, honest listen with a little bit more sophistication in my growing yeah. musical ears and i was like wow this song is incredible from the arrangement to the lyrics mm-hmm. i love it all exactly yeah for me that was sort of similar with bleeding me um when i first yeah. like i heard bleeding me as a wee kid and i was like oh it's a really good song but the first time i actually sat down and proper listened to it i was in my room the lights were out and i had plugged my ipad in at the time and I was about fifteen at the time, just had my headphones in and just listened to it just Lars was just hammering on those drums and it was <laughs> it was for me it was very inspirational and it made me want yeah. to play music. Oh wow, so, yeah. Are you uh what what is your instrument? I play guitar. I also I believe it or not, I started off bass and then went into yeah. guitar. See I I wanted to be a guitarist and mm-hmm. then uh I had a, a friend in high school and uh who was like no i play guitar and you're gonna be in my band and we need a bass player and like yeah but i you know i i like every teenager who grows up a rock fan i was i wanted to be lead guitar i want to have the solo he's like no you're gonna be a bass player and i was like i'll give it a shot my brother had my older brother had a bass so i started messing around on his bass and started taking lessons and then my parents were like if you stick with it then we'll get you your own bass and then the rest is history and yeah, nice. I, I I loved playing bass. I, I I should say I love playing bass, but I do not play as often these days as I as, as I used really to. Cool. Yeah, see, I'm on a similar boat. Um, I like I, the reason why I actually picked up a guitar was because I was extremely bored. I had nothing to do. I just picked up my dad's yeah. acoustic guitar <laughs> and just started filling a bit with it. And my dad showed me a few chords in that. And I will say one of the the big thing that I absolutely love is. My dad owns a Fender Telecaster. Nice. And he he seen me playing fairly well. He's he seen me kind of progressing and he just hand me it down. Yeah. Because he's cause he's seen that I listen to like Metallica. Metallica's the reason why I wanted to play music. Just James Hetfield just looking cool. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. so the reason for him just sitting there with his like strumming like his strumming technique just oh. Yeah. I was, um, I was mesmerized, so he just gave me his guitar. That that is awesome. Well, that's great that you had your father who was musical in that mm-hmm. way. I my neither of my parents played music. I was, uh, but it was a very musical household. Like music was always playing, yeah. but mm-hmm. no instruments were played. Uh, my older brother, like I said, he had bass and he he was more of a drummer, but he dabbled in guitar and bass here or there. So he. He had uh, he he was a musician through high school and I maybe I think just being surrounded by music, see my older brother do it. 
I think, yeah. you know, I, I sort of picked it up along the way as my interest just because at some point by the end of middle school, my only real interest was music. Everything else yeah. kind of fell by the wayside uh, for me. And um, but yeah, it's great that you had a parent to, you know, show you how to, you know, show you the guitar and have a guitar that yeah. you could play and who introduced you to Metallica. Of course. I mean, if it wasn't for my dad, I wouldn't be here. You know, awesome. I would, Metallica, Metallica would not be my favorite band of all time. Yeah. You know, so it, it's the same sort of thing. My music, like, I've, I've, I got my music from my dad. Right. I've, like, classics like Sabbath, ACDC, Iron Maiden, Judas, a wee bit of Judas Priest and all that. Um, I would not have got that, that my musical style or guitar or anything if it wasn't for my dad. That's great. So, so did he grow up listening to Metallica? Was he a diehard from he, back in the day? No, he actually... It's gonna it's gonna sound bad, but um, my dad remember when Justice Thrall came out, and he hated it. He hated Justice Thrall because he's not a massive thrash fan. He's yeah. uh, he likes he likes the sort of hard rock, the slower stuff from Metallica. Well, right. I'm more of a like in your face, fuck you. <laughs> you know, I I, I can I, like the whole Kill 'Em All, Red Lightning, Master Puppets, and Justice are flawless, and he's just like it's too fast for me. And then he goes in justice and says all the songs are too slow. And I'm like, you need to pick either or. You can't, you can't have, you can't have one or the other. It sounds like uh, Black Album Load Reload might be more his speed. Yeah, and it's funny enough because he doesn't really like Load or Reload either. <laughs> he just likes the Black Album. <laughs> but, he, but he does love Garage Inc. He does love Garage Inc. Though. Yeah, that is. I I feel like that's a very friendly album on the ears if you are more of like a classic rock guy or. A traditional metal guy because of the a lot of the covers that they chose yeah um what was I about to say um i it's, it's a really like i mean he's got tuesday's gone and all that and whiskey in a jar my dad loves whiskey in a jar he thinks that's the best version of that whole song like, <laughs> like screw thin lizzy screw the dubliners it's metallica and <laughs> for me it's if it was whiskey in a jar i have to say thin lizzy because that opening intro is yeah. just for me it's just classic but if it was if we're going back 10, 15 years, my dad would have been up there saying Master Puppets in our top tier albums. But now he's just he's got older and he's like, I can't I need, I can't deal with that. That's too fast for me. So I can't he's like, I kinda keep up with you now. So you seem to have gravitated more towards the heavy fast stuff. Was Metallica sort of a gateway band to you that opened you up to other heavy bands? Certainly. Like, if it wasn't for Metallica, I wouldn't have found my way into Slayer, um, right. Megadeth or anything. Like, I, I didn't, I, for years, I didn't even know Dave Mustaine was a guitar player for Metallica at the start until, I, <laughs> yeah. until my dad told me, he's like, you know, Dave played for them. But, yeah. it, like, it was a way to, like, it's not even just I'm into thrash. I gravitated more towards, like, new metal and, like, Slipknot and Swiss Mother Down. Right. If, it wasn't, if it wasn't for Metallica's thrash, like, scene, I, I wouldn't, may have, I may have not listened to them. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's blessing. It's a blessing in disguise, I would say. Yeah. So, Death Magnetic is your first Metallic album. Yes. So, what is, is that your favorite Metallic album? You said. No, it's. I would say it's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. favorite. My favorite is Master Puppets. Okay, so I feel like we're similar in that way, where we. We both had to go backwards, and mm-hmm. Master Puppets is also my favorite Metallica album, even though, as I just said, it was not my 
introduction to the band. But yeah. I, I went back and just went forwards from there. So I, as, as soon as I had load on CD, I got Kill 'Em All, then mm-hmm. Ride the Lightning, then Master Puppets, then Injustice for All, and worked my way forward. Yeah, from, uh, that way. But yeah, Master Puppets is also my favorite favorite song off the album. Favorite song, a uh, thing that should not be. Yeah, that is a great one. I mean, I, I, if I, I'm asking this question, and I do not think there's any wrong answer when talking about Master Puppets. But mm-hmm. for me, I think I have to go with the title track. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If somebody out there had never heard Metallica before, and I put on Master Puppets, I feel like that song perfectly represents everything they do well as a band and everything that they're sort of best known for. It has the heavy fast parts, the heavy grooves, the soft melodic parts, uh, great lyrics that are a little bit deeper um, than what they may appear on the surface. Uh, It just has all the components that make a great Metallica song, in my opinion. I I totally agree. It's just so in your face. Like... um... I remember when you did the um, Day in the Green uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about how Metallica were so raw and yeah. they were so in your face, like, just fuck off, that sort of energy. <laughs> yeah. And it, it it spills from that whole album, not, just not even that, like, that whole album and that song just spills, like, just, as you said, piss and vinegar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's just filled with such anger and hatred and just fuck you attitude. Yeah. And that's what I love about that whole album. Yeah, it, it there's something, you know, I there's something I like about every era of Metallica when we look at the different decades. But there's something special through even the Black Album where they mm-hmm. just have this piss and vinegar live that is just unmatched by anything that came after. And it makes sense. They were yeah. younger. They were angrier. They, you know, yada, yada, yada. But they, mm-hmm. uh, the... Metallica Mondays have been great on YouTube and when we get a treat like when they played uh, the 1983 performance or uh, I believe it was 91 or 92 sometime on the Black Album tour yeah. like just getting those snapshots you're like wow this was a lot angrier of a band than now in you know 2020 and I'm not saying that in a bad way I'm just saying no, that's it, there's a difference there and it's noticeable yeah, well, of course they're in their fifties now and they've got kids, so they need to kind yeah. of settle down. And I think it's what um, James said. I think it was for when Death Magnetic was coming out. He says, "Is there any swear words in the album?" And he's like, "No, I don't need to swear anymore. I don't feel the need to." But yeah. then, then Hardware the Self Destruct comes out and it's it's like the first song. You <laughs> said, "Fuck!" So you're like, "What, what happened there, James?" Well, you know, I think, I think Metallica, the live, yes, they've you know have used a cuss word or two but yes. if you look at their studio work they've never been a band that has been really all that obscene they've they have you know swear words here or there they have obviously some darker subject matter but they mm-hmm. are a fairly clean Same band map. all in all um yeah. and it you know i think there is a time and a place to use a word like fuck and when you use it sparingly there's just something yeah noticeable about it you know if everything is just like fuck you and fuck this and fuck that and fuck every single song every it's just like all right yeah it's impactful get the point. yeah it, it works exactly in way but at the same time it, 
if you if the way Metallica using it sparingly, like if it's like disposable heroes or like where it's just that full on aggression and they use like a swear word, yeah, um, it shows that impact. But at the same thing, it goes for like Slipknot and where they just cussing like if, if this, if that, if that, if that. <laughs> it still kind of works because you can understand the anger yeah, in that yeah, song. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Uh, I think has to do with the style as well and but i think for a band like metallica who definitely a heavy band definitely a fast band definitely when they came out was an underground extreme metal band but when you compare them to you know uh a black metal band or a death metal band or even you know to some slipknot songs they're pretty tame in comparison yeah, they're they're as 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 people say, they are dad rock nowadays, and it kind of pisses me <laughs> off when people say that. Because I mean, they're not dad rock. Not. Dad rock, it would be like. I mean, I would still consider dad rock to be like Bon Jovi or something. I would say, or um, if you like a newer band, maybe like Imagine Dragons. I have no clue. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm new Muse, I guess, but um. I would say Dad Rock is like at the earliest form is like Bob Seger. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not like Bob Seger because Bob Seger's the page and like Night Moves are classics, but that is Dad Rock. Metallica is not. I know, I think you nailed it with Bob Seger. And, and I say that as somebody who enjoys his music. Um, mm-hmm. Or like the Eagles would be like Dad Rock, right? Yeah. Hotel and California and stuff. I don't even like the Eagles. Take it easy is a really good song. <laughs> if you think about it, it's like if you've seen the big Lebowski and he's in the taxi, like, I can't fucking stand the Eagles. And he gets put in the taxi. That's like me with the Eagles. I don't like them. <laughs> I can take them or leave them. I really do not have any strong opinion. I like some of their songs, I suppose, but yeah. they're never a band that I'm going to seek out and I'm choose shame. to listen to, you know? And who would have thought that we would uh, be talking about the Eagles right now. Exactly. They were maybe on a tangent. <laughs> but that is the, you know, why I try not to plan things too out, as I was telling you before we started recording, because yeah. who knows where things are going to go. But exactly. to get things a little bit more on track, beyond magnetic. So this is a really interesting EP. Mm-hmm. Um Death Magnetic comes out in 2008. Yeah. And I think for the most part, that album was well-received by Metallica Mm -hmm. fans and metal fans in general. Um, I think a lot of people viewed it as sort of a return to form. Yeah. It's back to the thrash roots. Yeah. uh, Sort of the bend sound of largest drums in St. Anger. Yeah. I I, I think, you know, in retrospect... I kind of view it as an album for the fans. It's kind of a, and I'm not saying as if the, I'm not saying this because I think the album came about unnaturally or with um, bad intentions or greedy intentions or like they're trying to stay face and save their legacy. I do not think any of that, but I, yeah. I just think it was kind of a statement after uh, St. Anger as to like, yeah, we can still do this. And, they definitely used the first four Metallica records as the blueprint um, mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, how the album structured, complete with an instrumental later in the album. Um, 
And mm. and I think for some people, I the people I've spoken to who have sort of disliked the album or were kind of lukewarm on the album, that was one of the mm. criticisms um, they had against it. And of course, the production was a controversial part of it too for completely yeah. different reasons as to why the production was uh, controversial on um, St. Anger. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think for the most part, the album was well-received. I can agree. I think when people talk about the production-wise, I can get where they're coming from. But to me, I think it's just... I think it's fine. Like, a production-wise, it's fine. I'm not looking for this massive, overproduced record. Yeah. Like, like the Black Album, I don't want this... I, I, for me, I, I would like a sort of the, the sound that Hardy had, like a sort of it's professional but garagey. Yeah. Like, but I'm not wanting it to be like Black Album. Like it's just so overproduced. Everything's finely tuned, and it's it's overdone. The overproduced stuff, kind of like my underproduced stuff, a wee a wee bit. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think it's a bit overblown that criticism. But I can understand where everyone's coming from. Right. Yeah. Um. I. Personally, I'm a fan of the album. Um, mm-hmm. I I think honestly, if I'm gonna be honest with myself, I think I enjoyed the album more uh, when it came out than I yeah. do today. Only really because Hardwired to Self Destruct was such a better record, in my opinion. That mm-hmm. like when I heard Death Magnetic as a Dire Metallic fan, I was like, you know, they are back to the thrash roots. It's a return yeah. to form. But then when I heard, you know, eight years later, Hardware to Self-Destruct, I was like, oh, this was the album that we've been waiting for. Yeah, I can I can agree there. Um, but my counter will be, I think, Hardware has a lot more filler in some aspects. Right. Um, like the, oh, what is the, is it, I think it's Murder One. Murder One, it's a decent song. I think it's just filler. Um, Confusion. We but filler. Well, well, you've got um, Death Magnetic over here. You got like that was just your life. Um, Broken, beaten, scarred. Suicide, redemption. Cyanide. Day never comes. Judas Kiss. All these songs are top notch. They're not. Some they can. Some may clarify them as filler, but they they fill out a whole album. And they do sound really heavy and flashy. Yeah. And. You know that that is a criticism that Hardwired has received. A lot of people have said that, you know, the first disc, if that was all there was, it'd be a ten out of ten. And then the second disc has a little bit more filler, which mm-hmm. I can see to a certain extent. But like a song like Confusion for me, while it may not have immediately hit me, and while it mm-hmm. may not be my, you know, in my top ten Metallica songs, that song really grew on me. Same thing with. Man Unkind and Here Comes Revenge and a lot of that second disc, a lot of the songs grew on me. I will say Murder One is by far the weakest song on the album. Yeah. And I would say if, you know, I while I enjoy each song, if I had to choose one to eliminate, that would be it. And I do think that is a weaker song than anything that appears on Death Magnetic. Yeah, I will agree. I I like what it stands for as a tribute to, you know, Lemmy. Right. But the song just isn't there for me. It's it's not a whole complete song for me. It's, it's it's lacking. But I will say the highlights in that album are Halo on Fire and Spout the Bomb. Halo on Fire. It took me a while to get on Halo on Fire. I yeah. thought it was a bit, a bit daft. But then I started listening into it and I was like, that second half of that song just kicks in. Yeah. It's just a train. It's it, a train. 
it's hard to argue with that. I think those two are also my favorites. There are other songs on that album that I would put up there, like mm-hmm. Dream No More. Um, but those two, I think, are just beautifully arranged, beautifully composed, just classic Metallica. Yeah. Even one of the singles is really good, like Atlas Rise. Uh, oh, not, yeah. Um, was yeah. it? Um, Off the Flame. Uh, Hardwired is even good. It's straight thrash, but... Yeah. And, and and I think the really cool part about Hardwired is that, you know, when you if if you've seen them live on the World Wired tour, the the mm-hmm. songs just blend in really well with the rest of the catalog, including the old stuff. They do actually, they really do. I was so unlucky to not get to see them in Glasgow on the World Wired tour. I was going to get t- tickets a week before, but they were so expensive, and yeah. my dad went, "I can't, I can't get them." I'm like, "Oh, raging." Yeah, I mean that is the downer I get about a lot of shows is that when they come around, you know, they mm-hmm. can definitely stretch your wallet, especially yeah. when you add in all the extra expenses that ticket places put on and yeah. thinking about what you'll have to spend that day in terms of parking, and then if you want merch, and then a beer, and it adds up really quick. But of course. the reason, you know, obviously I'm bringing up Death Magnetic is because Beyond Magnetic is directly related to it um yes so death magnetics out in 2008 like i said 2011 a very interesting year for the band they have uh the widely critically acclaimed lulu (laughs) (laughs) Um, which which is an episode for another time Um, but that comes out in 2011 um so that you have that on one end which mm-hmm. was obviously a very divisive record, um, to say the least. And yeah. then you also have their string of 30th anniversary shows that mm-hmm. they do at the Fillmore in San Francisco. And yeah. that also can be a separate episode, taking a look at that stretch mm-hmm. of shows. But it is directly related to what we are talking about today, Beyond Magnetic, because mm-hmm. when these songs, uh, they were before they were released as an album, I'm not sure if you go back this far if you or if you remember this, but mm-hmm. they were released individually to coincide with the 30th anniversary shows. Yeah, they played each song on uh, each gig one up. Like, they played one song. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, I personally, I don't remember. I read up on it, and I was like, that's quite interesting. That's like... Yeah, so the, the really cool part about the Fillmore shows, and if I could go back in time and travel cross country to san francisco to see these shows mm-hmm. i would in a heartbeat but you know the they played over the course of i think it was four days yeah. almost every song in their catalog then some every mm-hmm. night was a different set list they played all the hits all, tons of deep cuts songs that they would never performed live before they had okay. special guests they even had dave mustaine and rod mcgovney come on stage and play uh songs from kill em all it was really yeah. just a once in a lifetime experience for those people who were there and uh-huh. to make it even more so kind of so much what they did with snm wanting to uh work in new music with like no leaf clover and yeah. uh minus human they decided each night they're gonna play a new song and it was released digitally that day um yeah. it i believe if memory serves me correctly to fan club members yeah, it was fan club first, and then it was um, 
Og så en falsk komedie, der kommer like, yeah. like, maybe a month or two after. Yeah, I, I, it was because I remember, uh, you know, I was I was still in the fan club back then as I am now, and I mm-hmm. remember getting the albums or getting the albums, getting the songs, and listening to them on my laptop and liking them, but not really spending a lot of time with them because, it, you know, that was sort of the start of when. I listened to a lot more music when I was on the go because I was working, yeah. I was doing this, doing that, and I you know, did not have it on my phone at the time because mm-hmm. even that technology was not quite there yet. Yeah. And so I it, it was hard for me to you know open up my laptop and just listen to it from there on mm-hmm. um, you know as regularly as I probably would have otherwise. But I remember listening to the songs for the first time and but not really getting too involved or connected with them besides yeah. a couple listens and then it's released as a iTunes exclusive mm-hmm. and then later on as a proper CD yeah and that's when i first had contact with it because i got the ep on cd uh, the day it came out uh, i remember me and my dad went to the local uh, record store hmv uh, and we bought it and initial I thought it was initial thoughts I thought it was really good, but I didn't get into it. As same as you, it's I was more into, you know, other stuff like Metallica wise. And yeah. my dad my dad wasn't really into it. He's he said it was it was like one or two good songs on it. And it didn't take it took me a good couple of years to get back into it. Like it, the same thing happened with Death Magnetic, I just kinda of forgot all about that. Apart from the day it never comes. Um right. And then I think the first time I proper listened to it again was two years ago when I was fiddling about in the guitar. I went, I want to play Hell on Back again. And I forgot how good the, the, that song is. Yeah. So I just kind of was like, oh, I need to re-listen to this EP. So it's same as you. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it's funny. You mentioned uh, before how, uh, you know, some songs could have been left off hardwired or sounded like a left or sounded like kind of a filler or a leftover. And I I bring that up again only because you could make that point. You can make that argument. And some people have for the four songs on beyond magnetic, because these are four songs that were written and recorded during uh, death magnetic and obviously did not make the cut for one reason or another. And then they were released separately as this EP uh, do you feel these songs? Do these songs sound like leftovers to you? Uh, very much so. They sound like demos because they are demos. Um, they, I think there's only like one song that sounds like not like a demo. It's Rebel Babylon. I think that's more fleshed out with the vocals. It's had a little bit more work to it. Well, right. the others are a bit more raw um, and sound. And I'm not. That's not. A, that's not a bad thing. It's just the way I think it's just didn't have enough time to put it on the disc or physical media. So they just kind of cut up, they cut the, whatever they're doing and then they just brought it back and just what they, what they brought it back as they did. And it's still as raw, but Rebel Babylon is the only one I would not say the demo from that. Right. Let's go through the song by song and break it down. So it starts with hate train. Yeah. This song I, to me is, it's sort of, I love it, and I can also 
leave it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it I I love some of the riffs in it. Mm-hmm. Uh it has an old school thrash feel minus the uh more melodic chorus. Um but there is a level of genericness to it in my opinion. Yeah. It's even when you just look at the name, like you think that better not be the actual name of the title. As <laughs> like, it sounds the... more like a demo name. Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously it's a demo, but like you, you just look at him like, why did James think of that? Or like, why yeah. did ours like say it's a hate train? Like, it's for me. For me, it's a dumb title, but like for the instrument wise, like the riffs on it are killer. Some of James's lines are killer. The drums are decent. Rob is just you know yeah. on like like he's just the best. No. Yeah. So he's just on point. I like the twists and turns the song goes through musically. Mm-hmm. And contrary to sort of the uh kind of generic, I'll say it, cheesy song title, the lyrics do not match really. Yeah. Um I feel like the lyrics are pretty solid, pretty standard Hetfield lyrics mm-hmm. through and through. But you know, they, they definitely do not go down a cheesy road like you might think from looking at the track listing yeah um i i can agree with you it's for me i think the song is strong from when it goes to the verse and it kicks into the chorus and the chorus is a little bit slowed down and then it's yeah. still going for that slow phase and it just it kicks right back up into that verse again that that yeah that jump kick i think that for me that's what makes a song and it's also Kurt's solo is amazing but the subject matter is Lyrics. I'm pretty sure uh, the lyrics are about. Um, oh, well, I think it's about um, losing someone that you love, and you're you 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 think life is bleak. I'm pretty sure that's what okay. I've read at some point. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Um, I my interpretation of the lyrics, my personal interpretation was looking to overcome whether it is, you know overcome a loss or overcome just the haters yeah (laughs) but overcoming something you took away tomorrow still i stand i ride into the sorrow still i stand you know the kind of that refrain of still i stand through the chorus it's like all right you did this i'm still here you did that i'm still here yeah um i can agree with you there it's it's a song that you can listen to when you're you're not you're not you're not down down moment in your life and you can just like I, i'm a strong person inside this is just not me yeah you know, so and i had um I, and i will say too that just add on to what has already been said i i like the transitions like you were talking about i do think this song has a lot of smooth transitions a lot of wacky twists and turns as lars Ulrich might say yeah um and i also like how it the chorus is very melodic they kind of go clean and slow with it Mm -hmm. but then it builds back up and then at the end when they go into the chorus it's just full throttle ahead yeah which is you know a great juxtaposition to the previous times you hear it in the song yeah it's i think it's the end like from the course to the sort of verse of the course at the start it's it's try to build up that intenseness and then that's not a word but the intense film and then when to the end it's just full throttle like Everyone's just letting go. Well, it's just, nobody cares about speed. They're just going as fast as right. Yeah, and I think I think that's for me. That's a great ending for the song. 
Yeah, it definitely. It, it's the song starts in high gear and it ends in high gear. Yeah, uh, but was performed once again just at the 30th anniversary shows at the Fillmore um, on December 5th, 2011. Um, the next song, unless we have something else to add about Hey Train. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think that's about. It. I think Hey Train is a dumb title, but a good song. <laughs> It, it yeah it's a, it's it's not I mean the song title does not make a song yeah um, but it's sort of generic yeah. like we said and but but I agree with you the the song is better than the title yeah when you look at the title it, you can be like this is gonna be a terrible song but it just you just look at it and be yeah. like oh that's actually a pretty good song shit title yeah I think I think it has generic elements to it mm-hmm. um you, you know there are. I think some of the riffs are really killer. I think some of the riffs are a little bit more stock, as they would say, yeah. just by Metallica standards. Um, but I, I, I like the transitions. I, I like a lot of the lyrics. I think all in all, it's a pretty solid, more old school style cut. Yeah. So then we go into the next song, Just a Bullet Away. The thing that stands out to me about this song, God, it's not the happiest. No, it's not actually. <laughs> it really isn't. But you... When you look at the lyrics, it's, I mean, is there any other way to interpret this other than somebody contemplating suicide? That's that's the way I think that's the way James wrote it. That's quite obvious when you look at the lyrics. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's about a man just about to shoot himself. You know, it's it's pretty bleak, but it gets it gets his point across. I would say looking to shoot himself, but also having questions. Yeah. And wondering if that is the right decision and in the one of the lines that stood out to me was even the promise of danger has gone dull staring down the barrel of a 45 like this person sort of you know made bad decisions now they're contemplating suicide but like even this does not feel thrilling to them. (laughs) like it they're not they have no fear as they quote suck on the barrel, suck on the barrel, suck it till it's yeah. gone dry. Um, you, you know, it, it's definitely, it's definitely dark. Yeah, uh, if, if I remember right, the it's not even just a song. The death magnetic in general was written like most of the song was written about death, but the reason why yeah. James was writing about death was because um, Kurt brought in a picture of Lane Stanley. The uh, front man of Alison Chains, and well, after he right. died, uh, and he died in such a horrible way. Uh, it was a drug overdose, but he became a recluse before that. And um, yeah. I think that got James thinking: How did someone so talented like get so sucked into drugs and so sucked into like not talk about death? Right. And that's what that, that as you said, it brings questions about like death. Are you even worried about death? Sort of thing. So that, yeah. that's that sort of cycle of death. That whole Death Magnetic album is, you know, about death. I mean, Death Magnetic was originally called uh, Songs, for a, Songs for a Suicide or something like that. Along those lines, it was, it was tied in with suicide. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that does tie into that song quite well. Yeah, you, you're right. It does match sort of a lot of the overarching lyrical themes of dealing with death. And... Yeah, it's funny you bring up Lane Staley because mm-hmm. I was going to bring him up during uh, when we talk about one of the next yeah. couple songs, but um, 
it definitely has it definitely seems like that could have been ringing in his head when he was writing these lyrics and we have to keep in mind too Hetfield himself is only a couple years removed from his own uh, rehab and overcoming his own addiction so I I would imagine and uh, of course I'm not in his brain or in his shoes but I would imagine uh, having recently gone through that and then having these friends um, and these people that you respect mm-hmm. musically go away in in such a uh, unfortunate yeah. manner it's gotta it's gotta ring even more so with you like hey that could have been yeah. me that that exactly. almost was me um i think also it would have been you know affecting james because he was like metallica are friends with the metallica guys are friends with Alice and chains guys like um james and jerry cantrell are best pals and I'm pretty sure Jerry Cantrell actually played yeah. uh, support guitar on Tuesday's Gone on the record of Garage Inc. Uh, so there is that, oh, so there yeah, is that yeah, close bond. Did. And what what makes it sad for me... That... And and not to interrupt you, but let us not forget the Alice in Chains Unplugged where they wrote on... Uh, I think it was Mike Inez wrote on his yeah. guitar. Or one of them, or maybe it was Jerry Cantrell wrote on one of the guitars. Friends don't let friends get yeah. friends haircuts because Metallica was in the front row and this was right after... Uh, they came out with their short hair yeah, for load. I about that. <laughs> um, but for me, what makes it all the more sadder was, I think it was 1993, Metallica and Al- like Alice in Chains were meant to support Metallica during this tour, and Alice in Chains had to pull out because Lane's drug addiction. Literally last minute. Yeah. I don't even know who they got on, but um, there's a bit in a concert where they're playing, they're mocking Alice in Chains and they're playing Man in the Box terribly. And you've got James Hetfield like pretend to inject like a needle into his arm because obviously I can I get that aggression why he's so passed off. We had that whole tour booked, yeah. but they were friends in the end of the day, and it kind of I was like, it's a shame for what happened to Lena like in the end. And I, yeah. I think I think yeah, that way kind of it looked like James kind of reflects on that sort of stuff and be like, oh, that's it's a shame. Yeah, and I think some of that's his own addictions and problems yeah, coming through musically. Uh, my favorite part of this song is uh, when it goes into the very melodic interlude mm-hmm. in the middle uh, before the guitar solo. It's it it's very um, it, it reminds me a bit of what you hear in yeah. Phantom Lord, where it's just sort of like a sparse guitar. But then in my ears, it builds to an Injustice for All era guitar harmonies and solo in the in the tone uh-huh. of the guitars and how it's composed and I, when i listen to that song i just think of yeah. those two things for me it's that's a really good actual you know, it does sound like phantom water but that that interlude but for me it's the things i love about the song is the intro riff like that just sounds like it's rolling that yeah that's that's a really good riff to start off and then that interlude for me it doesn't sound like phantom lord like i would I'll put I'll put um bread fan interlude sounds that sort of similar tone, and then it goes into that sort of justice sort yeah. of open string like riff, and then it just kicks back in it. Like it for me, it sounds a bit like bread fan. When and and I, and I love the song bread fan. That whole 
they were amazing. Mm-hmm. So, and like I even forgot yeah. this song even had an interlude till today. Cause I haven't listened to it in so long. So I was, to, I was writing my notes. <laughs> and I was listening to it. I was like, all right, that's the song done. Oh wait, there's more. Oh damn, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it has that stop, and you're like, oh, just a sudden stop, and then the guitar comes back in, and you're like, oh. Yeah. This is still going, and then it builds back up again. But I, I like that how uh, that's I to me that's the highlight of the song where it's just uh, what's the line? All the voices in my head, and then it's just silence, and then it picks back up. I like that. It's a neat trick. Good hook. You've got Kurt's two solos. Personally, I feel the second solo is the better solo. It's more like him to be a fast, fast-paced soloist, like uh, with Wapero. Marin of the slow melodic stuff. I do like his slow melodic stuff, but it's a bit, it's for the interlude, it's a bit too high pitch for me. Uh, it's a bit different yep. from him, but it's a, not going to bash it. It's a good solo, but it's the second solo is the better solo for me. Yeah. And it, this is another song that only performed once as part of, again, the Fillmore 30th anniversary shows. Uh, this one performed. Uh, a couple days later on December 7th, 2011. Uh, the next one on the album definitely has been performed a handful more times. And it seems to have a pretty positive uh, response from a lot of Metallica mm-hmm. fans. Uh, Hell and the Back. Song? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, this is uh, another one that has classic Hatfield mm-hmm. lyrics running through it. And, you know... Helen Back is such a cliche yeah. saying. Um, and I feel like he was able to kind of take that cliche and spin it into something yeah. more original. I think the way he tried to put the name Helen Back, I read uh, from an article that he says Helen Back means like for like a fan, like he's been for hell and back and he's like it could be he's coming to hell, which is our concert and he might want to stay and he's enjoying it. Or some people might not enjoy it and they just might mm-hmm. go back to where they are because they might, the other people might think the concert's hell. Some along those lines, but I said, yeah. Um, yeah. But the way I interpret it is um, the band's history being for hell and back. Um, but alcohol, losing uh, Cliff, losing Jason, you know, J- uh, James getting burnt up. You know, it's, it, it, for me, it kind of speaks for their whole career, like that title. Yeah. And, and when you look at the lyrics, to me, you know, it makes a lot of references to she, to her, and I, to me, that's him singing yeah. about alcohol. It, when I look at the words, it's about it's him writing about trying to sustain that feeling on stage when the yeah. show ends and trying to do so with alcohol. If you look at the first part, there's nowhere else I can run to. She's wretched, mm-hmm. but she comforts me. After everyone goes home, she's yeah. always there for me. When the sun goes hellbound and the moon does resurrect the night. I'll hide within her. Not much good has come out of the light. After everyone goes home and I'm left here on my own, I will run straight to hell and back, straight to hell and back. When they turn out all their lights and I'm left to brood at night, always return to hell and back. Like, that to me is, the show has ended. I am by myself. No more fans. No more bands. No more crew. What am I going to do to keep this feeling going? Let's drink. And he found it easier in the nineties when he had the like, rippies and all that. Like, yeah. And the drugs, I'll say, of the drugs or the alcohol. Um, but I think in two thousand eight terms, he was 
what, he must be in what, his 40s at that point? Uh, early, yeah, yeah, he must be in his 40s. So, and he had a family, so he couldn't obviously go out and drinking all the time and sleep with other women. So he's trying to feel like that, try to keep that buzz going. And yeah. I think I can understand his, where he's come from with that pain. Yeah, and and again, it shows sort of an overarching theme among these songs of, you know, you were talking about the overarching theme of Death Magnetic and, you know, it being death and dealing with it and the fallout of it and the feelings tied to it. And when we look at these songs, I think death is definitely a part of it, but so is addiction. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you can make that parallel in each of these songs so far and I think in the next one that we'll be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um this song performed multiple times, yeah. 16 total performances. Uh, its first performance, again, was at the 30th anniversary shows, but it was performed 15 other times. Most recently, though, August 11th, 2012. So it was really just a you know a couple years span. Um, they were playing this live. Um, you know, this would be a cool one, I think, for them to pull back out at some yeah, point. Yeah, I really think they should because um, I think they should do something like Metallica by request again, and bring out these old yeah. these old sort of songs that they didn't really perform, and give them a sort of new life. Yeah, you know, there's so many songs that have not been performed in years from Load, from Reload, mm-hmm. from you know, basically from you know after the Black album, and I would love to see those songs live, especially now that we've had the chance to hear most, if not all, the Hardwire songs live. Um, it would be cool, I think, to keep a couple Hardwire songs and then rotate a couple of those slots to a couple older songs to kind of rotate in and out, whether it be a Bleeding Me yeah. or something more deep cut like Hell and Back. For, for me, it would probably be like keep the Hardwire stuff um, just a bit away, Real Babylon or something like that, and then... Prince Charming, or uh, Outlaw Torn, or uh, For the God That Failed, or something along like those lines. Just the songs that you really yeah. hear. Especially Prince Charming. I don't hear any people talk about Prince Charming, despite it being a really good song off Reload. That is definitely one that gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I overlook that one a lot myself. I My favorite part of Prince Charming is the bridge. Yeah, the bridge. Look up to me. It has such a great groove to it and a great melody. I really like the bridge in that mm-hmm. song. And even then, it's um, uh, is it uh, when the well things when the well things are something like that? I think that's what it's called when the well things. Yeah, yeah, where the wild things are. That is yes. a fantastic track. Yeah. That song has taken on uh, new life for me too as a father because i found that that is a song that uh, i have a daughter who's eight months old and she loves that song so i just play her music all the time and that song randomly came on uh when like the first couple weeks of her life Mm -hmm. that song randomly came on and all of a sudden she stopped crying (laughs) and was like and i was like all right that must have been a coincidence and i kept on putting on the song so now it's become her song yeah and i and ironically it's a you know about having children and bringing them into this world so it's sort of funny how it worked out but But that that whole it gets looked over because i remember when i first heard that song i was 15 i was going into biology class i had my headphones in and i heard it and i didn't really give reload much of attention but i had it on shuffle anyway and i heard 
that that yeah. that sort of um, half step down tuning, but it was um, quiet uh, sound, and I was like, "Yeah, that's that's a really good intro." And then the song just kind of picks up from there, and it's oh, so such a such an overlooked <laughs> classic. Yeah, that is, uh, and one of the few songs that Jason Newsted got writing credit yeah, for. Did actually, we're tangent again from from. Uh, from <laughs> which is completely yeah. fine i love them i love them but we got one more song left for beyond magnetic um which i think this is the favorite yeah. off this ep for a lot of metallica fans it's a really good song um rebel of babylon yeah. i think this is the highlight for me and mm-hmm. you know i'll get to some uh listeners responses um in a few to see what other people say but this seemed to be one of the songs that a lot of people were commenting on like yeah this one's great yeah for me, it's it's a weird intro. For me, I, I I I'm not such a great fan of how slow it goes. But once the song kind of kicks into gear, then it then it's it's you know it's, it's great. It's a, the song just doesn't stop from yeah. there. I think it has a really cool melody in the verse, and mm-hmm. you know Hatfield does his uh, his. He, <laughs> Sometime around load reload, he's he likes to do like the the outlaw country Will and Jennings like speak yeah. sing thing. He'll be like, "Dig your grave." Oh yeah, <laughs> this song has a great example of that a couple times throughout. <laughs> yeah, I will say I actually I didn't pick this up any other time to listen to it today. It, the main the the verse riff sounds like spit an image all night long huh i I can see a similarity there yeah now that you mentioned it it's i didn't pick it up until like i was writing the notes i was like that sounds a lot like all night long like it kind of it it plays too closely closely to it like it's it's like try to play the sort of similar thing but it's its own thing it's not which is not a bad thing it's it's it can take inspiration from it but it plays a wee bit too too like hand in hand with each other yeah in my eyes it would be better if they kind of made up so it's like it's like variation of it, but it's it's kind of similar. But yeah, it's still a good. Match. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I was just thinking, uh, what was I thinking? See, now you got me thinking about all nightmare long. <laughs> God damn it, Connor! <laughs> I was doing so well. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, it, you mentioned Lane Staley before, Vals and Chains. And yeah. I said, oh, funny you mentioned that because I was going to bring him up later. This song, to me, reminds me a lot of Lane Staley. And if you Google this song, there are rumors that this song could be um, about or at least heavily influenced by his death. You know, while alcohol is definitely a part of it, if you look at the lyrics, definitely, uh, you know, talks about heroin. If you just look at the opening verses, Rebel Grip Your Bottle Tight, Just Float Away. Rebel, is it hard to leave? What makes you stay? Go take your poison ink, sign life away. Then take your dirty spoon and dig your grave, dig your grave. You know, so that got me thinking, like, I wonder if, you know, how directly the death of Lane Staley played on the writing of these lyrics, if that was really the inspiration or if it was more of a coincidence. Yeah. Um, but another thing that stood out to me about the lyrics was a lot of the religious overtones throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. You know, if we fast forward a little bit, Kill me one more time, stigmata. Kill me one more time, neo martyr. Gonna die young, gonna live forever. Kill me one more time, rise up. 
rebel of Babylon. He climbs his crucifix and waits for dawn. Thinks they'll remember him after he's gone. Um, to me, that's just sort of a symbolism of, you know, a rock star or a famous person who's kind of held up on this pedestal. Um, not saying necessarily in a bad way, but, yeah. you know, they are, you know, almost Christ-like in some people's eyes and the eyes of their fans. And they have this just addiction. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it part of the lyrics kind of want you to be hopeful. Yeah. Let this dark shine. Let it shine bright. Don't let it burn out tonight. Rise up. Rise up. Resurrection. Um you know it, it, but the other part of it is just crippling death. <laughs> See the, for me the uh, verse three is just so, it's right into it. it's like um, Christianity, like like believing in like Jesus because it goes the this rebel fight fights to fight that no one wins to claim a crown of thorns to pierce its skin, claims his crucifix and waits for dawn. He loses consciousness. The myth lives on. For me, that reminds me of um, Jesus dying and then getting resurrected yeah. three days later. Like, it's the myth. Like, a crown of thorns piercing his skin. Mm-hmm. So, it has a, as you said, a religious overtone to it. Yeah, big time. It, it, some of it's subtle, some of it's not subtle at all. I think it's right on the nose. Do you think this is um, less a song about drugs and more of a song about religion? I think the two of them tie in well together, like um, with the yeah. first, um, with the first uh, intro. It's um, take a dark spoon and dig a grave. For me, that reminds me of you know, uh, that reminds me of um, like a like you cook heroin off a spoon, right? You know, dark yeah. spoon, dig a grave with it. Yeah, and so I think they just kind of intertwine with each other, right? Like just I'm religion, try to kind of settle both. Yeah, because James is because James is not a religious person, but his family are was it not um, Christian scientists. Yeah, it definitely has a, you know, a background and a familiarity with Christianity. And since coming out of rehab, I'm not sure he's ever um, really identified his beliefs or if he even has, you know, if he even believes in a set religion or if it's just more spirituality. But he has made, uh, you know, references to a higher power and being blessed mm-hmm. with, like, the gift of music. So he definitely is at the very least a spiritual person. Yeah. Um, I would say based on that evidence. And I think, you know, a song like this is reflective of that. Definitely. Um one song I would say it's similar to with um religion is for the God that fails, which is about his mother dying of cancer. Right. Because yeah. um obviously she was a Christian scientist, she wouldn't go to the doctor, she would she believed that God would help her. Yeah. And then in that way for the God that failed because yeah. she died. So, right. so it's a very both of them are very entwined with religion yeah. because that Christian science like overlook yeah for sure and I think and I think that is one of the reasons perhaps why this song stands out among uh, Metallica fans more so than perhaps the other three is because I, I think there's a lot of great lyrics here and a lot of great symbolism and a and like you and I we have already been trying to interpret this for multiple minutes and we could keep going you know and and i think that's the beauty of a great song and i think that's something that hatfield does really well generally as a lyricist 
Of course. Um, like there's there's so much to like there's so much beef in the song you could just dig and dig. You could just you can just keep going for it and it, right. you still have, have more there and you can't like I can't feed this all. How much is there? Yeah. You know, so there's just a lot of it. There's a lot going on in this song. Yeah, without a doubt. So, Hate Train, Just a Bull Away, Helen Back, Rebel Babylon, the four songs that make up the 2011 EP, Beyond Magnetic. What are your overall thoughts of this EP? Uh, I enjoyed my time with the EP when it came out, but also I dropped it. But listen to it back now. Coming in from like um, a person with a bit more um, music taste with it, um, I still think it's really, really good. Despite it being literally two or uh, two or three demos um, that are really raw, but there's like yeah. one or two good songs. Like there's one or two songs that are really refined, but for the raw sound that it does produce, I think it's a really good EP. Yeah, I think it's solid. It, this was actually fun for me to prep for because today I listened to the EP twice from start to finish, and mm-hmm. I could not tell you the last time I listened to all four of these songs in a row. Uh, normally this is not an EP I put on a lot of times Mm -hmm. I hear these songs. If I just go to my phone, go to Metallica, hit shuffle and they come on and I listen to them and I enjoy them, but they're not four songs that I seek out. Um, and with that said, I think, you know, they definitely for the most part rank lower for me in the Metallica catalog. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can hear, you know, when you listen to death magnetic, you listen to Beyond Magnetic. To me, these sound like the, the, there's a lot of potential in each song. There's some great yeah. parts in each song, but I'm not sure they're fully realized or fully finished. Or they, I, I do not think that for the most part, maybe there's one or two exceptions in there, but for the most part, they're not on the same level as a lot of the Death Magnetic album. And yeah. I can hear why they were left off. But yeah. with that said, I'm glad we have these four songs because I do enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fun EP. I think it's, I, I, and I think it gives you, uh, you know, if you're a diehard Metallica fan, I think it gives you a better understanding of, you know, sort of what, uh, where they were at musically during this era. But yeah. I'm not sure I would, you know, I would, I would not, uh, recommend this album for anybody who's not a diehard i'm the same yeah i would you would need to be for me you need to have a you know a good few like you need to be really into metallica to yeah. enjoy these because if you're not going to go into um the one like death magnetic or the, their previous albums like from back out like it's like diehard as you might be you might not enjoy it you might not get what they're coming from and it might just leave a bad taste and you might just think bad about the band yeah so I will say, though, um, parts of these songs have grown on me more. And I Mm -hmm. definitely, like today when I was listening to it, I enjoyed it more than perhaps even when I listened to the songs for the first time back in 2011. So they have grown on me. Um, You know, my opinion of them has not drastically changed since then. But they are definitely songs that I enjoy and I'm glad that we have. Yeah, I'm the same. As I said, I forgot half of them until about two years ago. Now. <laughs> yeah. So, like, just having to listen to them back, I was like, I forgot. Like, there are some like banging bits of this. So there's some good riffs, yeah. or some good drums, there's some good lyrics. Yeah. 
So it's, it was a surprise to re-listen to him and be like, this is, I forgot how good this kind of sounds. Yeah, it's funny because a while back, um, not well, not too long ago, but I did a, a Metallicast Live and Richard S.C. came on and we listened. We did a live listen along to the new song from 2006, which was uh, mm-hmm. unreleased, but parts of the song, you know, ended up in end of the line in all nightmare long um so it was written for death magnetic and then they borrowed riffs and i kind of was thinking that as i was listening to this ep because i'm like you know if they really wanted to they could probably take the best parts of these songs and if they had time or gave more time to them could probably turn Mm -hmm. them into something even more special by taking you know the best riff from there the best riff from that or the same or the best melody or the same lyrical line but um you know i I think this was also an earlier an earlier example of Metallica editing themselves um, because we look at load and reload, you know, a lot of the which we mentioned before um, and we were talk, kind of talking about, you know, the filler um, that might appear. And in, I think the criticism a lot of people have of load and reload nowadays, mm-hmm. more so than like the short hair and the musical change. Cause I think a lot of people have gotten over that, but I think the uh, yeah. criticism the albums receive a lot today is, you know, that you could, a lot of people say you can get rid of half the songs and make it one really solid, great album. Um, and because they, and the band members have said themselves that, you know, they just kind of, whatever they wrote and recorded, they would make it work and get it the best they could. And they release it on record. And there was really nothing ever left over during this yeah. era of Metallica. And then, uh, you know, the same angst during the St. Anger era that started to change. And mm-hmm. uh, I think this was one of the few times where really they had recorded music that, um, in fully, in in, you know, fully composed songs that just, and they just made that edit themselves and left them off the record. Yeah, of course. Um, it's going with the same, what you were saying there with, um, they were taking stuff from like the newer song, uh, yeah. or the, um, and put in Dale Nightmare Long or um, this is the uh, one of the other definitely I'm sorry it's sort of mind yeah. um, uh, it's like the same with the sorry what track was that I just thought my mind again I think it was uh, Hell and Back it was, I was at, that sound from um, that All Nightmare Long riff yeah I, personally I think they were both recorded the same sort of time and uh, so they kind of they rubbed off each other so right We've got that same sort of summer sound, but um, uh, load and reload, yeah. Um, reload, you can take a lot of half the stuff off, like it's some of it's terrible. Victor's really good, uh, Prince Charming and uh, Fuel, Memory Remains is all good, but a lot of it is terrible, like not not terrible, but it's it's well. Here's here's my here's my thing is that, um, you know. I'm definitely a fanboy. I'm definitely biased towards Metallica, my all-time favorite band. There's not any Metallica song or album that I truly dislike. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of, you know, when I say that's a weaker song or it, for me personally, I'm really just kind of comparing it to the rest of their catalog. Yeah. Because, okay. you, you know, to, in my opinion, like these four songs, which are on the weaker side that were leftovers, they're still better than a, what a lot of other bands put out there at their best, in my opinion. <laughs> they're demos, and it just still, it still shows that they still got it. But 
But, you know, I also have been rated one star in Apple Podcasts for being too much of a fanboy. <laughs> yeah, same problem as me. I'm too much of a fanboy at the same time. <laughs> you know, like, I, I even like Escape. <laughs> uh, well, the the review was, and I think I said this on a past episode, but I, and I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but basically it was uh, the epitome of a fanboy Mm-hmm. Makes me hate being a fan of Metallica. <laughs> One star. Oh, really? That's, oh, that's terrible. Dude. I mean, you just have to read that and laugh. I mean, yeah. Like, but do you want to be like a Metallica fan, but everyone hate your band? <laughs> I mean, know? and I never pretended I was anything else. Well, I was never course. like, oh, this is going to be a unbiased, uh, you know, no, this is a fan podcast about my favorite band. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like, if- you, you, you to have criticism of your favorite band, but come on. <laughs> I just thought that was a funny reason to write a one-star review. But anyways. Um, <laughs> terrible it, reason. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. Terrible excuse to write a one-star review. Uh, a few hours before we started recording, I reached out on social media uh, asking for some listeners' opinions on Beyond Magnetic. So I thought mm-hmm. it might be fun to kind of quickly go through at least some of these um jason long my buddy jason on facebook writes after Mm -hmm. the after the hysteria of new metallica tracks of the fillmore wore off i found them to be average and i understand why they missed the cut for the record i could see maybe maybe rebel babylon replacing the judas kiss but it's clear especially years later they're b-sides the biggest thing to come from it was we finally got to hear shine after being teased with that rolling headfield power riff but even it a bullet away for the uninitiated fell short of being album worthy. That's my take on it. I can agree that there are B sides. They aren't. They aren't. They're for the cutting floor. They were yeah. never. They were never made for the full album. But in my own personal opinion, I think they are. They stand out on their own. Yeah. Uh, Ralph writes on my buddy Ralph Savetto writes mm-hmm. on Flick Chat as part of the Metallicast group. Well, first off, I was glad they released this when they did, as I was starving for some real Metallica after the disappointment that was Lulu, which I still don't consider a proper Metallica album. I agree, Ralph. It's a Lou Reed album. And a oh, three-year yeah. gap without new music. I can kind of see why they didn't include it on Death Magnetic. Feels somewhat unfinished. Though I would say that all four of the tracks are fairly solid. Weakest uh-huh. song to me is Hey Train. Riff is a bit forgettable, and the lyrics are somewhat clunky. Don't know why they put it first, honestly. Maybe to get it out of the way. Two standout tracks to me are Helen Back and Rebel Babylon. They would have fit well on DM, actually. Of course, they might have to lose two songs, and I like the album as is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swaps on Flick Chat writes, Four little kind of forgotten songs by Metallica. Hey Train seems kind of not completed properly. The lyrics seem pretty weak, and the whole thing seems like it was improvised or just kind of thrown together last minute. I think it mm-hmm. could have been better if they revised it a bit or spent more time as the as the timing change and it is pretty cool and the only good thing in this one it had potential just a bullet away is a gooder it has a lot of punch to it great champ great jam with yet another classic metallica time change that make it so the song doesn't get boring pulls you into the song remind you why this band is the best helen back kind of similar response to the first song for review although love the verses part much more melodic with better lyrics didn't really care much for rebel babylon as it didn't really hold my attention now, saying all that, these mediocre metallic songs are still much better than 9% of anything any other band can achieve 
It's just that I hold Metallica to much higher standards, LOL. I love the artwork symbol on the album cover, Rock On. Yeah, I can agree with this. Uh, the AP cover with the, the four M's making like, yeah. that sort of thing. Looks like so, so it's like a sort of like portal hang. It looks pretty cool, but yeah, for people saying uh, that the EP is you know bad or mediocre, let's. Uh, I just want to say one thing. I am the table. <laughs> at least it's, at least we don't have. I am the table. <laughs> well, I you know I gotta give blabbermouth.net credit for this headline. I'm not sure if you saw the article, but you know James Heffield recently. Uh, made tables during quarantine that they are oh, auctioning yeah. off for uh, all within my hands, and yeah. the <laughs> the headline was uh, James Hatfield is the table. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give him credit for that one. That was good. I mean, um, yeah. I will say one thing. Who was coming up with that? Oh, James Hatfield. What's for what's for what's for lyrics? I am the table. That's good. That's <laughs> well, good. I I think the I think the lyrics for Lou Reed, you know, is I that album is to me a Lou Reed record. Mm-hmm. The it obviously a lot of the arrangements and riffs came from Metallica. They definitely contributed heavily to now musically, but the mm-hmm. vision of the record, the the you know the overall sound of the album. And the lyrics of the album was all Lou Reed. To me, that is a Lou Reed record that Metallica contributed to. Um, and I definitely get why Metallica fans disliked it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting record. It's not yeah. one I revisit a lot. Maybe once a year I you know, pull it out and I listen to a couple tracks and I'm good for another year, you know? But I... Yeah. I I think it's uh you know this is definitely a much larger discussion but I do think but I do think that I am the table and uh, I think that was uh crazy Lou Reed. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you it's a Lou Reed record with Metallica support. Him. Yeah. It's, it's like it's like watching Lou Reed live but Metallica's in the background. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you I can only I can only pull it out every so often I don't even know the songs I even I don't even know the song where I am the table is from I don't even know the name of it I yeah. just listen one song just here i am the table so i can have a laugh it's just, it's just out of nowhere i am the table and i'm like <laughs> i am the table it's so weird um, on the twitter machine brett at metal dog wing writes great songs easily could have made dm i enjoyed them as much as anything on dm uh the pizza at m p r a u 88 writes who doesn't like this thing? Production is understandable, but still too rough. Not every song is great, nor every part. A-Train and ROB sound the most put together. Kirk fucking shreds. Lyrics good. Riffs drums pretty good. Love it when I want it. Yeah. Um, Danny at D-Jubs on Twitter writes, Bullaway has some really good groove riffs in it. If I don't like the song as a whole, the songs are fine and cool. Cutting room floor material. Still worlds better than St. Anger. Looking at you <laughs> at Metallica Pod calling out, Tom from Alpha Metallica. <laughs> um, Damage Inc. at Master of Puns V13 writes, uh, I think the end of the line should have been replaced by Hate Train or just a bullet away. Um, Schmick at underscore Schmick writes, Overall better than the album. No filler. Should have dropped some of the duds from DM and made a more solid album. 
And he has this, uh, he retweeted a previous tweet he wrote back Uh in May, fixing death magnetic, death beyond magnetic. This would be his lineup if, so you see this a lot for load and reload, right? I mentioned before people want to make it like one album. He did that for death magnetic and beyond magnetic. This would be his track listing if he had it his way. Uh One, that was just your life. Two, just a bullet away. Three, Helen's back. Four, The Day That Never Comes. Five, All Nightmare Long. Six, Rebel of Babylon. Seven, Unforgiven. Three, Eight, My Apocalypse. It's not a bad track list, but it's missing one song. That, in my opinion, I think uh, Broken Beat and Scarred should be there. I love Broken Beat and Scarred. That, a, I feel like good. that is an underrated song that does not get much love. When mm-hmm. Death Magnetic came out, that was one of my favorite tracks on the record. I, would I, say. I love the riff in it. I love the the melody, the rise fall. I I oh I, that that song was a standout to me. Um, yeah. Again, I gotta go. I think I feel like I gotta revisit Death Magnetic now. <laughs> My arch rival Tommy Trink. Hmm. Tommy Production Values Trink at Tommy Trink on Twitter writes. Um, all of them are pretty damn good. Definitely wouldn't have minded swapping. BBS and maybe one other, though I'd be hard-pressed to figure out which for Helen Back and Rebel in Babylon. Could have used a little editing, but they're probably better than most bands cutting room tracks. That mm-hmm. I agree with. So yeah. I, we are recording this, and I'll be editing it later. So if more mm-hmm. come in on the social media or otherwhere, or otherwhere, <laughs> or elsewhere, <laughs> I will try to add them on before I wrap this bad boy up, because I love hearing from you. The Metallic Chaos Militia. <laughs> Connor. Mm-hmm. I think we did it. Should we? Anything else we should add about Beyond Magnetic? I think we got it all. I think we got it down to a T. I think so. This was great having you on. It was good to be on, man. You did uh, awesome as a first-time guest. Thank you. You did way better than Tommy Trink the first time he came on this podcast. Let me tell you about Tommy Trink. Okay. He is my arch rival. Right. Um, we have like a love-hate thing going on <laughs> where he loves me and I hate him. Um, <laughs> that's not true. I love Tommy Trink. But but the first time Tommy Trink came on, he had this squeaky chair. Oh, okay. And he's going to listen to this and laugh that I'm talking about it. But yeah, he had a squeaky chair. And I had to yell at him. So thank you, Connor, for not bringing a squeaky chair I'm surprised. I'm surprised I have a squeaky desk. I've been trying not to squeak it. (laughs) Well, you know what? If I when I listen back, if I hear a squeaky desk, you're you still did a better job of than Tommy Trink because I did not hear it live. Thank you, man. (laughs) (laughs) I just threw him under the bus for absolutely no reason. I love you, Tommy. Come back on the podcast, Um, (laughs) Connor. Do you Mm -hmm. want to let people know where they can find you on social or or anything you want to plug or anything at all? Eh, just go my Twitter. It's uh, my underscore underscore gran. Uh, the M is a capital, so it's that's just very. It's my only plug. Awesome, and I will in- include your Twitter in the episode description too, so it'll be just a click away, just a <laughs> click away from following you. Just a click away. That's a good way to put that song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Connor. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Yes, thank you, Connor, for coming on Metallicast and talking Beyond Magnetic. 
give Connor a follow on the Twitter machine at M-A underscore G-R-A-N. Metallic show him some love. Speaking of Twitter, another follower of mine at Vicious Viridian. I had a conversation with this person a while ago, and during that conversation, they claimed that Beyond Magnetic was their all-time favorite Metallic album. They like it better than Master Puppets. They like it better than Ride Lightning. They like it better than all other albums. And while I personally think that is an insane opinion, they, of course, are entitled to their opinion. And I reached out to them to so they could write a little something for me to read to all of you. Uh, not because I want to knock their opinion at all or make light of it. That is not the case at all. Just because I want to hear from somebody who holds this album in such high regard. So this is what Ad Vicious Viridian writes about Beyond Magnetic. They break it down song by song. Hate Train is a top-tier Metallica song. Much like the rest of Beyond Magnetic, almost every riff in the song is fantastic. Kirk brings some of his best solos in this song, which take up quite a large portion of the song's runtime. The intro solo is an amazing start to the EP, and the entire solo section after the second chorus is one of the best moments of Metallica's discography. And despite the amount of different ideas the song contains, the climatic final chorus ties it all together wonderfully. We definitely recommend this song to those who like Metallica's fast, thrashy sound. Just a Bullet Away seems to be the most popular song from the EP, but it's personally my least favorite. The heavier riffs definitely aren't bad, but they lose their luster after a few listens. The interlude, however, is undoubtedly one of the greatest melodic sections they've ever written, and it makes this song truly memorable, which is why I can't say I truly dislike it. It's a fantastic example of the top-tier songwriting that they put into each track on this EP. Held Back is medium pace and fairly accessible, but it contains a lot of flavor. The riffs and melodies all have this unique aura, which makes it stand out from a lot of other similarly paced songs. My favorite parts of the song are probably the chords used during the choruses. They're a perfect complement to the vocals, creating a wall of sound that's really pleasant to the ear. I consider this to be similar to Cyanide in terms of its pacing, but it's certainly a lot more worth listening to. Rebel Babylon is a simply fantastic song, my personal favorite of the discography. From beginning to end, it's a constant onslaught of some of the most amazing riffs and melodies in Metallica's discography. It's truly unforgettable, and it's a song that I feel is best listened to. I can write paragraphs on why each aspect of the song is great, but it will never replicate the experience you get when you treat your ears to it. I'd highly recommend this song to anyone who needs more Metallica to listen to. Overall, despite Beyond Magnetic's role as a short collection of unused death magnetic songs, is really a hidden gem in the discography. It manages to do a lot in just 29 minutes, and I consider it to be a must-listen for any Metallica fan. Very well written, Avish Verdin, and thank you so much for sharing that for this episode. Please give him a follow on the Twitter machine as well. And please follow me on Twitter if you're not already. I'm at Metallica's Pod on there, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. I want to thank everybody else who contributed their thoughts on this album, whether it was on Twitter or on Facebook or on FlickChat, which you can still join that group, even though it's not been as active as of late. You can search Metallicast on it. Um, but I would highly recommend 
like I mentioned at the start, that you download the Swell app and join us on there. Look for the link in the episode description. Check out the link to my article for metaltalk.net if you've not already. That would also be greatly appreciated. But most importantly, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review so I can keep these episodes coming to you all with hopefully some more first-time guests, some cool big names hopefully on the way that I think you will really, really enjoy. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, metal up your ass. Yeah! Fans not experts.